You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we will be reviewing Lake Alice from 2017 and The Colony from 2013. Since it's my turn to go first, we will go with Lake Alice from 2017. The movie begins with some random girl on her phone who ends up dropping her keys underneath her car, and when she's reaching underneath, she ends up getting pulled away by somebody who we don't even see. Then it takes us to the Thomas family, which is Greg, Natalie, and their daughter Sarah, along with her new boyfriend Ryan, are all driving up to their cabin after meeting Ryan for the first time. After the Thomas family and Ryan take their belongings inside, Greg and Natalie end up leaving to go downtown to get some supplies for the upcoming snowstorm that is coming their way. But first they end up running into this local sheriff who's a complete asshole by the name of Hank who pulls him over just because he wants to know who's coming through his town as he states. After just Natalie goes into the cafe, it turns back to the cabin with Ryan and Sarah planning on taking the family's four-wheeler out for a spin, but not before duct-taping Ryan's camera to it. Then we go back to Natalie, who's talking to an old friend of hers named Jane, and they end up catching up by talking about Sarah and her new boyfriend, plus talking about Jane's son, Tyler, who had a pretty much a non-serious relationship with Sarah in the past. Then we go back to the new couple who stopped the four-wheeler because of Sarah seeing some random boot prints in the snow not that far from a window. After a nice little ride around the cabin, Ryan stops the four-wheeler and randomly asks Sarah to marry him after just a year of dating, and possibly without her parents' blessing. After a while, the parents return to find out that Sarah and Ryan got locked out of the cabin, and then they find out that their daughter got engaged. Natalie, the mother, is extremely happy about it, but you can see that the dad, Greg, is far from happy about it and fakes his happiness and makes it way too obvious, but gives his congrats to the happy couple anyways. Next, we got Tyler and his mom, Jane, showing up to the cabin with their creepy vibes just all up in their business. You can just see the uh, displeasure in Tyler's face when he finds out that Sarah is getting married. After they leave, Natalie opens the gift that Jane dropped off and finds out that it's an old picture of Jane, Tyler, Natalie, and Sarah. And it looks like that uh, Ryan did not know that Sarah and Tyler had a thing at one point, as she put it, just a fling. After a while, you see a person coming up to the cabin and steals Ryan's camera right off the four-wheeler shortly after Ryan leaves the garage after he's asked to help with some firewood. The person ends up hitting record and begins walking out of the garage with the camera. Sarah ends up taking a shower but feels like somebody may be watching her or is just simply behind the closed blinds. After getting dressed, Sarah gives Ryan a watch for his Christmas gift and as they start kissing it pans outside to the person with ryan's camera now filming the two then the person again is filming but this time it's the whole family plus ryan giving gifts to each other but first you see 
Greg opening a gift from Ryan, and it turns out to be these uh, special cigars that Craig really likes, but you can just hear his tone crudely saying thank you to Ryan for the gift. After the gifts, Ryan and Sarah go to the bar where Tyler is singing at. Then we go back to the cabin where everyone is sleeping until some strange knocks on the front door and the windows start happening. Then Craig ends up uh, getting his shotgun underneath the bed. Of course, the family is freaked out by the gun. Natalie tries to call 911, but of course the phone is dead. Craig ends up going outside with his shotgun, but after you see him on the camera screen, he ends up getting killed with a hatchet thrown at him, and it lands smack dab right in his back, of course, killing him. (laughs) Out of nowhere, as the ladies are screaming, the killer shows up wearing a fuzzy winter coat sporting some kind of like winter pullover mask and you can't even see their eyes i guess they're wearing like another mask or something anyways the killer then starts to finish off craig by giving him so many blows with i'm guessing the hatchet where any ends up getting like blood all over the mask and shit after locking the door the three remaining hide in the kitchen while the killer turns off the power to the cabin After getting a flashlight, Ryan returns to the kitchen with their winter coats and has the bright idea of leaving the cabin, or as he put it, make a run for it. As they almost get to the door, the killer bursts in trying to kill them all, but is attacked from the family who all get out of the cabin. As Ryan is the last to leave, he stops and sees a blood trail in the snow. After that, we see Sarah running through the woods to hide where her and Ryan drank some wine earlier. Ryan, of course, scares the shit out of her after she hears somebody's footsteps in the snow coming towards her. They leave the spot but end up being filmed by the killer as they are running away. As they are still trying to hide, they see the local snowplower, Carl, who gets out of his truck and heads inside the cabin with his gun but is killed from behind after the killer shows up and slits his throat and the weird thing is he's being filmed while being killed so who's filming it after killing carl the killer takes away his truck as the couple go back inside sarah ends up finding her mother hiding in the bathtub but as they try to leave again they again are attacked by the killer with ryan trying to save sarah and her mom but is knocked down and sees the killer running after Sarah. Ryan ends up finding Sarah's flashlight after she gets kidnapped by the killer, but then out of nowhere you hear a crash and find out it's Sarah's mom, Natalie, in the crash. Then we get to see the camera screen pointed at a tied-up Sarah. Out comes the killer holding a giant hunting knife as Sarah screams in fear asking why they're doing this. And then she ends up getting knocked out after screaming for help. We now see Ryan down in the basement where we now know Sarah is being kept. He and Sarah now exit out of the cabin but run into Tyler in the woods. After questioning why he's in the woods in the first place, the killer ends up killing him from behind just like they did to Craig. Ryan tells Sarah to run as he stays behind. We now see the Sheriff Hank being filmed but ends up being attacked from behind with the butt of a gun. And then we get back to Sarah 
before going to Hank being tied up to a tree with now two killers who end up being dressed as the same, standing in front of him. After taunting them, they set Hank on fire after pouring gas all over him. After hearing the screams from the dying sheriff, Sarah runs back into the woods as the killers walk away, letting Hank burn to death. Sarah, now alone, ends up killing Ryan after mistaking him for one of the killers as he is dressed up as one of them. She ends up noticing the watch she gifted him and that his hands were tied together. Now Sarah, being the lone survivor, continues walking through the woods in an attempt on escaping from the killers. Yeah, but sadly, once again, we end up seeing Sarah being filmed by the killer, who seems to be doing more filming than killing. After tripping on her dad's dead body, Sarah yet again gets kidnapped by one of the killers. She ends up waking up back inside the cabin while being tied to a chair and sees both killers standing right in front of her. The shorter killer who did all the filming is revealed to be Jane herself. And of course, the taller one is, of course, her son, Tyler, who tricked us all to thinking that he was dead in the woods. Clearly, he wasn't. Of course, this whole thing was real to be happening because of Tyler being jealous that Sarah marrying somebody else. He ends up thinking, along with his crazy fucking mother, that Sarah will now marry him now that everybody that held them back is dead. As she's outside, Jane ends up putting her gun onto the back end of the police car and walks up to the tree where a now charred up Hank tied to the tree. Goes back to Tyler and Sarah talking about how no woman could ever give him the same feelings as Sarah did. Out of nowhere, you hear a gunshot and Tyler goes outside and finds out that it's his mom with a single shot to the head. Tyler runs back inside, unties Sarah, and they both go back outside after failing to find the keys to the police car. Tyler steps outside and is quickly shot in the neck by a very not-dead Natalie. And in a final plot twist, turns out that there was yet a third person being one of the killers. And it ends up being Deputy Reed. So, yeah, that's the end of the movie right there. Um, When it comes to scores, Rotten Tomato didn't give it anything, but they did have an audience score of 29%. Google had 61%, and I couldn't find a budget or box office for this one. When it comes to my overall thoughts... Well, this one had an okay amount of blood, I'll give it that. The only gore that we really get is the burnt sheriff. Story was good, with an awesome plot twist at the end, like I said. Kind of already knew that the first two killers were ex-boyfriend and his mother. I had a funny feeling that her mom, Natalie, wasn't really dead. I mean, I've seen it done in Scream, for fuck's sakes. And as I've said in other episodes i love horror movies where the killer or killer's identity is hidden to the very end so with that being said i gave this movie a four skull rating how about you there tim yeah it was a good movie i did have a couple notes that i i found very strange about it like okay mom picks up the phone here's a dial tone the phone's dead why the frig is there a dial dial tone there should be no dial down if the phone's dead. There should be no sound. She gets on her cell phone and tries to dial, and it gives a busy signal like a house phone would. So there's a couple. There's a little weird. But, and yeah, everything was predictable. I didn't like that. Like, as soon as she, I saw her 
him go by her in the woods and then she got the jump on him. I said, yep, that's her boyfriend. <laughs> I had a feeling that the, that somehow that um, the assistant, the, the sheriff's uh, deputy there was involved somehow. Although in the end, it turns out he's also the one who gets away or he kills them. Most likely I, I have a feeling they didn't even make it out of there at that point, but we don't know that because of the way it ended. I mean, that would have been kind of a cool little, add-on maybe after the credits would have been kind of neat to see that happen and him get away with it you know just as a twist but other than the predictability it was okay um the dad's overacting was a little bit overacting too <laughs> like he overdid it but other than that the storyline was fun um yeah i think it was six months that they were together they've been together six months before he proposed to her on a random four-wheeler date she already had her glove off before he pulled the ring out did you catch that too Love <laughs> was already off before the ring. So there's a couple little weird things that I just noticed. But the killing was okay. The beating up was okay. And it made sense at the end that there were three killers because of the fact that I was trying to figure out how one killer got around that good. I said, there's got to be more than one. This is too much. And then it just reminded me of like, uh, what was it? A scary movie where they had the multiple killers. Yeah. Not scary two. movie. Scream. Scream 2. Yeah. They had the multiple killers. And uh, that reminded me of oh, it. The so it's like, yeah. Yep, where it turned out was, the ex-boyfriend was one of the killers, but he'd been also gotten off exactly the same way. Yeah, but overall, I uh, I gave this a four as well because I actually I did enjoy the movie. It was I'd watch it again. It's not not a bad movie. Yeah. So four score Willie. Yep. Anyways, that's it for Lake Alice from 2017. So now we'll go with Tim's movie, The Colony from 2013. Take it away, Tim. Okay, uh, by 2045, humans have built this climate modification towers to control the uh, warming the climate due to climate change. Um, they did it all over the world. They had them all over the world. The machines break down one day, and it begins to snow, and it doesn't stop. The remaining humans live underground in bunkers, escape the stream cold, and they've lived for like half a generation. Um, these people, like the star of the show, remembers slightly when he was a kid, but that's it. As a kid, his parents died. So their challenges are uh, controlling the disease spreading and in, in insufficient food sources. So this one colony happens to have seed banks, which is awesome. So if they ever have a thaw, they're good to go. And they are trying to grow enough food, but limited resources and lighting, although they do have a big windmill powering the uh, bunker. So uh, two soldiers, Briggs, Lawrence Fishburne, and Mason, uh, Bill Paxson, are the leaders of the said, such a bunker. Cod Colony 7. They seem to all be named colonies. Uh, Briggs, uh, Sam, Kevin Zegers, and Graydon, uh, somebody I don't know, travel to a nearby colony after they receive the stress signal. They'll, the three of them take off. And uh, Briggs leaves Sam's lover, Kai, which is uh, Charlotte Sullivan, and she's in charge of the colony while he's gone. And Mason is not too happy about this. Mason just had a big falling out with... Just had a big falling out with Sam just just before this because he brought out someone out to that was sick and they supposed to get a choice to take the long walk out into the cold or they take a bullet and that's how they cure disease because they can't take a chance because the last um, flu outbreak actually took twenty lives and in a small colony that that's a significant amount of death so he chooses to walk and he doesn't get a choice and you know Briggs shoots him anyway. I mean, not Briggs, uh, Mason shoots him anyway. And so that that Sam's not too happy about that. And then it's just right after this 
that it happens. Uh, she, his uh, lover is also the ones in charge of all the seed banks and stuff. So he is able to just before this all he go, takes off, he has to go into the seed bank and get some um, soy for the rabbits because the rabbits aren't getting enough protein and they, they're having stillborns and there's only one female left out of the 12 rabbits. So in order to keep the their food source breeding, they actually have to increase a little bit of soy into it. You know, this is almost like almost feels like it would the right thing to do would probably be a soylent green situation, but they'd be sick probably. So it's probably not such a good thing. Anyhow, upon the arrival to Colony Five, they find blood everywhere. It's uh, they smell smoke at the top of the stack as they climb down, and then they get down and there's blood smeared all over the place and bloody smears and drag marks everywhere. And they eventually reach this locked door that they thought they heard pounding coming from the inside. Sam's able to pick the lock, and they uh, they go inside to find Leland, who shows them a message they received from another group from another colony of people who fixed their weather machine and have caused the snow to thaw. It's like a seven to eight mile radius or something like that. And uh, But the problem is they don't have any seeds, which, you know, of course, Colony 7 is interested in this because they have seeds, so they could actually make this work, and maybe they could actually you know, have a sufficient food source. The group offers to aid anyone who asks that they bring seeds so they can be planted, the newly thawed permafrost soil. Leland shows them the, the, where the signal came from, which is off the map, but he gets them a general idea where it is, um, longitude and latitude, but informs them the expedition failed to find the source of the transmission. Moreover, the expedition's tracks led a marauding group of cannibals back to Colony 5, and killing the ensued, uh, Briggs, Sam, and... Uh, Graydon are forced to try to force Leland to return with them, but he pushes, uh, winds up pushing Graydon out of the door last second and then locks himself back in the room. So they just continue on because they hear some more noises. Three of them begin to explore Colony 5 and they approach where the noise, where the fire burns and they hear, see a human chopping members of the Colony 5 up while others feast on their remains all over the place. And they had their, their they have filed teeth and everything to help them chew the meat. And they're chewing, they're eating raw meat here. This is, they're not cooking it or anything. As they try to escape, uh, Graydon is uh, killed by the cannibals. They try to escape. They shoot a few of them. They take out quite a few. They even shoot the leader, but they don't kill him. And Briggs and Sam are able to make it to up the ladder and out of the colony. And then Briggs uh, throws a uh, some dynamite that he found on in, in Colony 5, uh, Colony 7. I know it's Colony 5. Throws some dynamite down in it and it blows up the whole tower. You know, it only seemed like there's like, they figured there's something like 20 of them. Anyhow, Briggs and Sam are able to make it back to the helicopter that they w- stayed in on the way there. It's a halfway point-ish on the way back to Colony, uh, colony five, back to their colony, to Colony 7. And they stay in this helicopter overnight. And then in the morning, as just as they're getting ready, they look out with binoculars and they see that there's like 15 to 20 of the uh, cannibals still following them, following the tracks. where They're leading them right back to their colony, and they know it. So they uh, make it to the manage to get to the bridge, and they jump across this gap that almost took Briggs out on the way there as it fell apart. They jump across it, and Briggs decides to light one of the uh, light another thing of the dynamite up and blow the bridge. Unfortunately, as they go and hide behind something, the wind blows or whatever, and the dynamite winds up going out. It has a bad fuse. So Briggs go wants to go back to relight it. Sam fights him. He headbunts Sam, knocks him for a loop. Of course, he's him and uh, him and Mason were the military trained one, not the others. So went in, knocks him down, goes back to light it. Has a heck of a time getting a lighter to light in all the wind and the cold. 
finally gets it to light just in time. He's fighting him off and he's he looks like he's doing he's losing. He He's winning at first, but then he takes out a few of them and then he loses. Uh, he's about to lose and he blows up and takes out quite a few of the cannibals. Unfortunately, not the leader and a few others who are still left on the other side of the gap as the bridge falls. Well, Sam makes it back to the uh, Sam makes it back just as uh, before. Well, heads back the rest of the way. And then Kai gets in a heated argument with Mason after learning he intends to kill an colonist without testing her for disease. Her her husband is uh, hit him, hit it for him. These are the ones that before they left, there was this big uh, to do about them leaving and found out that these two are sick because one of them coughed or sneezed right there. And when he coughed and sneezed, that uh, inherently uh, put them in solitary confinement. But Mason was told not to do anything until Briggs got back. Now, he doesn't know Briggs is dead, but he still had a heated argument over this. And their argument is interrupted when Kai spots a returning exhausted Sam and runs into him. Like, this argument is going really badly. It's looking, uh, Kai's actually got a gun on Mason, trying to stop him. And then uh, when Sam, Sam, she runs to Sam. And just as soon as she gets to Sam, Mason properly knocks her right out. And he did manage to kill the, uh, not only the one sick colonist, but the husband as well. He killed them both. Shot them both. He finds uh, Mason's taken over as he wakes up, and there's been harsh changes and stuff because uh, Mason tells him. Sam explains the cannibals are coming and that there's a thawed area they should flee to. Mason doesn't believe him, thinking he's been unhinged from his ordeal and handcuff- and handcuffs him to the bed. Now, Sam's able to get free because this little boy who also pickpocketed a lighter earlier, but, you know, Briggs caught him. But he just kind of looks at him, just holds his hand out, and he hands him back the lighter. This kid's apparently a good pickpocket. He picked the key and gives it to Sam. Uh, Mason doesn't realize it as he he has to go deal with whatever's going on outside. He's going to check while they're going to look around outside on the cameras and everything. But he's really not 100% believing him. Well, Sam is able to get free and checks the images from the functioning satellite after he rescues Kai. And they locate the thawed zone. It actually does exist. Then the cannibals arrive. Um, many of Colony 7 inhabitants are killed, including Sam friend Victor. And this is uh, brutal. Like, they just get slaughtered. They do manage to kill quite a few of the cannibals in the process. But uh, Victor actually, enough running. And he just, like, does the whole stand up and fights. And he actually does a pretty good job holding up against this leader of this pack, who not only, you know, seems to be more aggressive, but also seems to... Uh, have a little bit of an athletic advantage over him. Like he's, this is not the guy, the main protagonist there, the leader of the cannibals is a big guy. So he winds up eventually losing after a good fight. And then uh, the survivors lock themselves in a room. Sam and Kai bang on the door, but um, because Mason makes it, makes it in there, but he is shot in the process, but he makes it in there and he locks the door. And then, one of the other uh, inhabitants uh, knocks him in the back of the head with a, his with a gun and gets his gun from him and opens the door, lets them in. They manage to just shut the door in time, but they know it's not going to hold. Well, they just uh, Sam decides to escape through the vents the same way that the cannibals got in, which was what how they took so many of the. Uh, it would have if they come through the entrances, they actually would have been able to stand a good ground. But they'd already made it through the vents and into the into the compound, as you will, and. That's how they wound up kind of ambushing a lot of them. So we're down to like five people. That's all five, six people. And they ha- they do have the seeds with them. They had the seeds with them the whole time. And 
as they're about to escape, um, Sam winds up having to fight the um, bigger guy because he gets a hold of him, the, the leader, the cannibals. And they have this drawn out fight that goes through the vents and everything gets away a little bit. And they go through the vents, the vent falls, and that actually causes issues. And they fight. It's a it's a damn good fight. Goes back and forth quite a few times. And well, at one point you think Sam's done. And then all of a sudden he gets lucky, gets a cleaver, gets him in the leg. Then it still looks like he's going to be done. He manages it somehow blow something up and then it they uh blow up a tank and then that's when he gets the upper hand on the, the big guy who looks like he's dead he beats him up beats him with a pipe and knocks him down on the ground and it looks like he's gone and just as uh sam tries to walk away to leave he grabs his leg so he's not gone sam grabs this like pizza cutter the sharpened pizza cutter thing and sticks in his mouth and chops the guy's head off Works it back and forth and chops his head off right at the right at the mouth level, pops his head right off. And then he's stuck there with all the fire everywhere. The place is on fire. Everybody else is outside. Guy starts crying because she thinks he, she's lost him, but they're going to go to the new place anyway. They have seeds and everything, most of the seeds. And then they look at back at the thing and she goes, look. And uh, when they say, look, I thought for sure it was Sam coming. Nope. It was just showing all the smoke because everything's on fire. So they just figure it's a loss. So she winds up crying even more. More tears go rolling down her face. And then as this is happening, Sam pops out the vent with a backpack full of seeds and said, let's go, basically. And they start heading to the colony and with their precious seeds. Now, hopefully they make it there and everything. And then the human race basically will have to start from there. And maybe they can venture out and eventually fix more of these weather system things. I think is the plan, but start with the seeds and be able to survive on their own to populate. But uh, all in all, it's interesting. It's story basically based on uh, what would happen like when society collapses. And before I go and give my final thoughts on it, Lando, do we got some numbers? Yes, we do. Um, Rotten Tomato gave it a 20% with an audience score of 23. Google gave it a 74. This movie had a 16 million but budget, but sadly only made little over $550,000. When it comes to my overall thoughts, this movie had a great cast. We get the late great Bill Paxton. We got Lawrence Fitchburn from the Matrix movies. I mean, that's what he's really known for lately. We end up also getting Kevin Zegner. Zegner, I'm not sure how to say his last name, but um, he was in the Airbud movies, and he also did the uh, 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead. Um, the story was okay, not the greatest, but again, not the worst either. Makeup effects were pretty good for 2013. Good amount of blood. Not really a gore film at all. I mean, the goriest thing you see that happen is that guy getting that spear or whatever through his fucking chest. That's about it. The only thing I didn't really care for was the ending, or you never get to see if they make it to where they're headed or not. So with that being said, I gave this one a three skull rating. What about you, Tim? Yeah, they, um, there was a little bit of gore. I mean, there was the whole killing room thing, but it was all dark. That was the biggest problem in a lot of it. A lot of it was really dark. And then there was the spear and then the head being chopped off. I thought the head being the head being chopped off was actually yeah, quite that I was actually a pretty good effect. That, yeah. yeah. But there was lots of blood. I'll give it that. And there were some guts and stuff in that killing room when they were chopping everybody up. 
could have been more, especially considering you're talking cannibals. They really kind of only did that one little section where it really showed them eating anyone. Well, no, not well. They also showed him like pretty much eating that guy alive, the one guy that they had with them they killed. But it didn't show anything. Just saw him like converge on him. But all in all, like there's, it was a little bit. I don't know about you, but did it feel like very gray and dull? Like the whole movie just kind of had a gray dullness to it. And I get it; it's supposed to, but it just felt kind of okay. You want a horror movie to kind of hit your feelings, but you don't want depression to be one of them. And that's this movie just had a depressing like color and a somber, a somber feeling to it for me. So I brought it down a little bit. So I actually uh, gave this a three and a half skull rating on this one um, because I did like it. It was pretty good, but they could have done some things better, like maybe a little bit more of the vibrant blood and the killing. With all the killing that was happening, they could have made it more like, I mean, your movie did the flash shots, you know, before and after, mm-hmm. not directly on, but that works. But this one didn't even do that. It just kind of showed them going after them, and then there were dead bodies. Does it? There was not, It didn't really show, it almost like showed the after effects, but not the actual killing in most of the cases. For that whole colony being wiped out like it was from what was it like 50 60 people down to like five in the end five six that was a massacre and they really didn't show much killing <laughs> just lots of screaming mostly yeah but yeah that's all i had all right well i think that'll be it for this episode so if you got any movie suggestions as always you can email us at what in the horror podcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on our twitter that's what in the horror podcast all one word we also still have our discord up but as always i've been lando and i've been tim and we are the fuck out of here you were listening to what in the horror see you next time